forever. Dog. Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast, Scary, scary Stories, Stories to, to Tell, tell on, on the pod. pod. It is a scary story podcast, but it's actually funny. And if you're looking for a very bookish podcast, this is a very chatty podcast. Mm. And we love that. We love it. And other people do, too. Yes. And we are so grateful for the people who enjoy it. Uh, as, as Anna has said before, and I think it really is true, we're perfect background friend chatter, you know? Yeah, um, if you're if you need sort of a a pacifier, mm-hmm. um, but for conversation, that this could be that. Right. If you're scraping lichen off a gravestone, or if you're going through your fridge and trying to find the yogurt that has really turned a corner, we're great for that. Yeah, turned a corner like personally. Also, <laughs> Andrew, have you seen Grave Talk? I someone just was recommending grave talk, or was just mentioning I assumed, grave talk. I assumed you'd heard of it because you said scraping lichen off a gravestone. Yeah, TikTok has every sort of esoteric career on it now, and mm-hmm. you can go and look. And people, there are people who go into cemeteries and rub down the graves with different kinds of washes. Yeah, and they scrape the lichens off of it and the mosses. It, it and so um, what- it's really nice. What's so wild about this, Anna, is that um, uh, a, a frequent theater collaborator of mine, please don't don't click stop, everybody. Um, don't. Uh, a very talented composer, Andrew Butler, and I wrote this musical uh, based on a, a Grimm's fairy tale called The Youth Who Sought to Find What Fear Was. So you know it's really fun. But, wow. Um, we we made it about a kid who uh, scrapes uh, like cleans gravestones for a living. So we had to do all this research, and it's been so interesting to see this like thrust into the spotlight for a hot minute. <gasps> oh my yeah, god! I learned a lot. That's so interesting. Yeah, one part wow. ammonia, two parts water. Brush things gently. And that's okay for the earth. That's okay. Well, that's a really good question. I don't know the truth. I, I think know. maybe the assumption is in a in a cemetery that is using uh, bodies that have been embalmed. Maybe that's a the problem is already there. You know. But yeah. Oh, now I'm going to research to make sure that uh, these are earth friendly uh, things that can be done. Well, I assume that whatever grave talk is doing is healthy. Yes. Oh, I mean, nothing would be called grave talk without it being healthy. <laughs> healthy is what I say. For the earth. Andrew, look, again, we're recording this. Maybe you just heard our other episode where we were a jock. The point is we haven't changed brain yes. since then. And um, we're going to – we're this time, but we're going to try to pull it together a little bit more. Yes. And um, Anna, we have been reading listener-submitted Campfire Tales all this summer. Um, it's been one of the great joys of our lives. And uh, I've got a really good one. Well, hit it. Subject line. One of the scariest ghost photos you ever did see. (laughs) (laughs) And. And this, like, I could have opened it and it could have, this could have been whole on main and I would be like, you know what? Fine. Um, Hi, gay. (laughs) Love the podcast. (laughs) Hi, gay. Hi, gay. Shout out to Miss Megan Stalter. Meg Stalter, the very funniest. Uh, Love the podcast. Started listening in quarantine. All caught up, (laughs) etc. 
<laughs> this I, I really appreciate this person. <laughs> That's nice. My story all started during my senior year of high school when, in order to graduate, we had to do what was called an iSearch project. It was basically like a big research project that could be on any topic. It was meant to prepare us for college. I made myself choose between Harry Potter and the occult. I ended up choosing the occult. In 28 glorious pages, I rambled about all of the supernatural (laughs) topics I could think of. Ghosts, vampires, werewolves, witches, demons, whatever else. (laughs) 28 pages is a lot. That is so much time. And yet, for me to talk about werewolves and vampires and witches, not enough. Not enough. I love that in order to graduate high school, you were like, ghosts and skellies and demons and... <laughs> <laughs> to prepare me for college. And they were like, here's your diploma. Um, as part of the project, we had to have three primary sources. So I interviewed a religious leader, a psychic, and a local pastor. This is good. Okay. This is really good. I wanted to find something a little more tangible, like some kind of proof or something. So I asked my parents and grandparents for help. Boy, did my grandma deliver. She got in touch with my aunt, who had in her possession the creepiest photo I've ever seen in my life. I've attached the email she sent to me, but long story short, my aunt was visiting her parents in 1978 and took pictures using a Kodak Instamatic camera, like the one that you had 20 pictures on and had to get developed. One night, she took pictures of her family before leaving the camera on a cart in her parents' living room then took more pictures the next morning. When she got the pictures developed, she noticed a weird one. In between pictures of her family was a woman who had gray hair and appears to be wearing a dark necklace. No, no, no. (laughs) She apparently resembles someone on her father's side of the family, but they don't know who, still not sure what that means. The gold-colored arc in the lower left side of the photo is the edge of the cart where the camera was sitting. My creepy AF aunt ends this letter by saying, I don't know who she is, but she was in my parents' living room that night. My father wanted to know who was there with her to take the picture. Stay spooky, Ryan, he, him. No, so there's two ghosts? Ah, uh, Anna? This is this this revelation is terrifying. I do you want to see this picture because it is the scariest thing? I accidentally thing looked at it just innocently the way that you look at email attachments to see what it is and saw a picture of a ghost and was uh, like, I didn't know that it was, Oh God, I already looked. Anna, could you describe this image? It's a picture of a ghost. I, what do you want me to say, Andrew? It's a picture of a fucking ghost. Uh, who does this it, like t- what this it, woman? Who, who it is looks, she? It, it, well, it, it sort of, it looks like um, an elderly woman on like a, a sitcom who's meant to like be a, a busybody who makes things difficult for the protagonist. Um, and she has like dark grooves carved into her face. Like she yes. has dark streaks of makeup. It's a little bit like the La Llorona press photos. <laughs> um, and it's a really grainy, hazy picture with uh, that like gold arc in the corner. I don't this- know that there's anything this could be aside from a ghost. Incontrovertible proof of the afterlife. I, also, from like as I'm looking closer, it looks like where her eyes should be are coins, and that is scary to me. Fudge! Oh, and she is not no. happy. This is a woman who is unhappy. She looks furious. She looks like someone is 
taking the last baked good off a tray that they brought. Yes. This looks like she found you putting spices into her pasta sauce. You know? Andrew, this is so scary. I can't get over this. Ryan, this is one of the scariest images we've ever been sent. Ryan, what have you done? And we thank you and also how dare you. Oh my God. Okay, wait. So there's there's a story attached in one of the articles. Oh my God. Okay, so Ryan attached the cover. Yes, of which the, uh, is so funny. <laughs> it's really scary too. The cover. It's, the cover says the occult and each letter is a picture from a scary movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm seeing um, a Linda Blair in there. I'm seeing a Margaret Hamilton, Wicked the Witch of the West. I'm seeing a Christopher oh, Lee Dracula. I'm, I'm seeing, seeing a Ouija board seeing over a Ouija the O board. in a cult, which is very smart. I'm seeing a poster for the movie, The Devil Inside, which good Lord. I I can't believe you know what these are. I do. I, I, I Okay. So I'm also seeing um, Angel <laughs> from Buffy the Vampire yes. Slayer. <laughs> Yes. I'm seeing the old woman from Mrs. I think it's like Mrs. Ganush or something from uh, Drag Me to Hell. Oh, scary. She's very spooky. I'm seeing a, a picture that I'm very well acquainted with, which is like an old werewolf drawing from like the Middle Ages, oh. like a huge werewolf eating a woman. Scary. Um, and then Some a grudge sort of- girl. Is that the grudge girl? It looks to be a grudge adjacent girl. She's scaring me, Andrew. I don't like looking at her, so I'm going to (laughs) stop. And I love it's like in the front clear cover of a um, white binder, which is nice. This is so good. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. So. So he. Oh, my God. Ryan got. Would you like to know what he got as a score out of 125? Please. 123. Oh, what happened, Ryan? Ryan, who two points I mean, off for too scary? Yeah, two points off for too scary. They didn't like. Uh, yeah, I think this is a perfect score though because I think they don't give you they don't give you perfect. Right. I mean, this is essentially like a ninety nine point two. If this were on a if this were graded oh out God. of hundred, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna read Ryan's story about this, please. Okay. And this is typed. This is in the binder. The pages are hole punched. Okay. In May of 1978, I traveled to Sioux City, Iowa to visit my parents. While there, my mother asked me to help her clean her attic. It was filled with boxes of clothes, books, toys, photos, and memorabilia. Some of the boxes were from my childhood, but most were from the homes of relatives who had died many years ago. There were old trunks reeking of mothballs that contained clothes from long ago and dust-laden boxes of stuff, stuff, stuff! Two exclamation points. Oh my god. Not wanting to spend much time in a musty dusty attic we carried the boxes downstairs to examine the contents when we found items of interest or that pertain to family history we created a separate pile at night we would look at the photos and memorabilia and talk about the people who were in the photos or who had owned the item of interest one night my father always the family comedian put on my cousin's army knit cap i took a picture of my father with my kodak instamatic camera and then set the camera down on a cart in my parents living room The next morning, I used the camera to take a picture of my daughter eating breakfast in the kitchen. I used the camera to take more pictures of our family visit, and when we returned home to California, had the pictures developed. When I looked at the pictures, M dash, I noticed an odd one, two exclamation points. (laughs) We've already heard part of this, but between the picture of my father in the knit cap and my daughter eating breakfast the next morning was a picture of a woman. Her face sort of glowed from a dark background. That's true. Yeah, her face sort of looks like TV static. Yes. Oh, my God. Very much the ring. 
She has gray hair, appears to be wearing a dark necklace. My parents said she resembled the woman on my father's side of the family, but they didn't know who she was. Okay. If she resembles a woman on your dad's side of the family, these are angry women. Yeah, something has happened. These are women, um, these are women who did not get to pick the house they moved into, you know? <laughs> they didn't get to pick their family. No. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Kodak and cinematic cameras were the rage in the 60s and 70s because they were so easy to use. The film was enclosed in a plastic cartridge, so there was no threading of the film into the camera. Oh yeah. Oh my god, this is so funny. This all I wonder how old this listener is, Ryan. So uh, so I think this is I the ant's story. This is the ant's story. Right. Yeah, just I, I know how these cameras work, I guess. Oh, gotcha. Am I interesting? Um, <gasps> when you'd use all the film in the cartridge, you would take the cartridge out of the camera and take it to the camera store to have the film developed. Yeah, I did this all the time. Did you, Andrew? Um, we did not have one of these, but I had seen it done by other friends who were cooler. I'd seen it done. Um, when I look at the negative of the photos that I took on this cartridge, they show the photo of the woman in between my father and daughter. No one else's film could have been mistakenly inserted into my cartridge to give me the negatives as I have uh, negatives. I have as the developers would run the cartridge into special machines to ve- develop them one at a time. And there is the gold colored arc in the lower left side of the photo. That is the edge of the cart. That the camera was sitting on all night. <gasps> After looking at the mystery photo, I took it to a specialty camera store to have the photo enlarged. They used the original negative, and this is the picture I have. One of the technicians at the store told me that he used to develop film at a shop in England and that he heard a lot of stories similar to mine. Most were stories of strange people in olden day clothes appearing in modern day wedding photos with the family. (laughs) No one knew who they were either. So that is my story. We don't know who she is, but she was in my parents' living room that night. My father wanted to know who was there with her to take the picture. A lot of four exclamation points. This is amazing. Gee, I mean, this is such a good story. The aunt tells it beautifully to Ryan. You've nailed it. Um, And having, I don't know, having an image to go along with the scary story is so helpful. I can't I can't stop looking at the picture, but I also need to not ever see it again because it's so scary. I know, I know. Um, but Anna, this did make me think about ghostly photographs. Uh-huh. And I did oh, a little wow, bit of research. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for inspiring this research and also for um opening up our world to this terrifying image that will haunt us forever. Um, this is once mm-hmm. again from BBC.com. The title is uh, The Intriguing History of Ghost Photography, and it's written by Howard Timberlake. I love that. It's February 2015 at Hampton Court Palace in London. 12-year-old Holly Hampshire grabs her iPhone to take a photo of her cousin Brooke as she walks alone through the majestic King's apartments. Snap. It's not until the following day that they discover Brooke was not alone in the picture. A tall, gray, seemingly cloaked woman follows behind her. In a second photo... This strange anomaly is gone. Was it a stunning image of a tortured apparition making a rare performance for the cameras, or something well more sensible? The answer, as we'll discover, says more about how smartphones take photos than anything supernatural. In fact, this gray ghoul is just the latest apparition in a fascinating history of ghost photography. Ever since the camera was invented, spooks have appeared in photos, and with each advance in camera technology, new types of ghostly traces have emerged or been deliberately conjured. Um, I am a skeptic from the perspective of a photographer and as someone who doesn't believe in ghosts. There's not a lot out there that can't be attributed to some sort of photographic technique, says Michael Pritchard, director general of the Royal Photographic Society. Oh, 
they got a royal everything society over there. It's the director general of the Royal Photographic Society. Wow. Um, the roots of spirit photography can be traced back to the 19th century. During the 1850s and 60s, many photographers were experimenting with new effects such as stereoscopic images and double exposure. But some unscrupulous photographers soon realized that these techniques could be exploited for profit. An enterprising American amateur photographer called William Mumler is thought to be the first person to capture a spirit in a photograph in the early 1860s. This momentous image appeared to feature the apparition of his dead cousin. Ghostly visitation or not, it wasn't long before Mumler's knack of capturing dead people on film, normally a relative, had become very popular. At the beginning, experts struggled to find anything fake about Mumler's spirit photographs, and so the amateur became a professional, with a lucrative business fueled by the relatives of those killed in the American Civil War. No, Mumler. Uh, Keen to make some kind of supernatural connection with their loved ones. Um, (laughs) In one of Mumler's more famous efforts, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln photobombs an image he took of his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln. Oh, Anna, this image. I'm going to send it to you. Send it to me. We are both Mary Todd Lincoln. Hold on. I've been her for a long time, but I'm ready to be more her. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to text it to you. Holy shit. Look at this. I mean, I would believe in ghosts too in the 1860s. If I saw this image, I'd be like, well, there he is. I I just don't think people were lied to with pictures at that point. No. This so was like, so of course it's a ghost. Right. Oh, Mary Todd. Um Wow. Per- it's very impressive. It is very good. Like this you would you would see this today and be like, that's a great Photoshop. So 150 years ago, that would have been remarkable. So this article goes on to say that like a lot of this is just very easy to fake. Um, There can be double exposures, which like even amateur photographers early on in the art of photography figured out how to do. There are slow exposure pictures, which means um, you, if you like walked into frame as a photo was developing, or if you sat down and stood up, it would make it look like there was like a specter crossing or that like someone was see-through. Um in the middle of it. I mean, yeah, the thing yeah. is now there are these like digital, there are apps that you can like insert ghosts into to scare people, but it makes a ton of sense. Anna, like photography is weird and creepy and, and it makes sense for us to, when we capture an image to believe that we can like see something that the naked eye can't see because it's a machine and that's better than us. That's so interesting. I mean, that should make sense. I know. Have you ever taken a photo of something that, that you felt like, oh, there's something eerie or unexplainable in it? Um, Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I, I had a big crush on a camp counselor growing up, and I would sort of take photos of the back of his head from in large groups and <laughs> pretend that my flash had gone off on accident. <laughs> And loudly say, my camera's going off on accident. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Um, that's sort of that same thing. I, I will say I famously, um, as a child, was attempting to do some ghost hunting in my, um, in my old house in New Hampshire. And the basement there, my aunt had stayed in was like, this place is very much haunted. We had known that there were a couple people who had died in the house. I think one person fell down the basement stairs and died later. (gasps) 
No. Um, yeah. There was also a room that was walled over in our in our house in New Hampshire that you could look through the slats and see like a hidden room, which was very eerie to see. Um, but I think that was just it was just covering up like the what was the coal room where like the coal would be dumped. <laughs> um but I went down there. I really was like, I've got to find something. I had a camera. I was very excited. And I didn't find anything. And Anna, I faked a ghost picture. How? I took some baby powder and I sprayed it into the air and I took pictures of it. And oh, you were then a little the, fraud. And it looked really real. But um, my conscience got the better of me by the time that they were developed. And so on the back of every image, I wrote like – this is not a real this is not real. This was a, a fake image created by Andrew Farmer on this date. It is baby oh, powder. No. It is not a real ghost. Please do never use this for anything that says that it is real because I just want you to know that I am telling the truth that I made this. Oh no. <laughs> on every single one. Oh um, my god. So yeah. So I don't I don't well, have you are so you just wanted to be a, a little dude. I wanted – it's it's funny. It's like part of me was like I just want to have an image that could look like it was a ghost, but I didn't want to scare anybody. And I didn't want anyone to think I had experienced something that I had not. Oh, right. <laughs> so um, I'm sure that my parents will come across those images at some point and it's written in like – you know those markers that had scents? Yeah. Like they oh my god, like the best. Yeah. Yes, you and I both tasted a um a seltzer that tasted just like the grape one. We did. And I kind of liked it. Um yeah, but but long story short, uh I think that ghost photography is sometimes a lot easier than we think, but this image, particularly the fact that it was taken in the 70s, uh is very spooky to me. Oh yeah, 70s is automatically scary and then it seems like it's from like way before. Yes. Like even if even if this is a prank or something, I don't care. It isn't. It is scary enough that the prank is scary. The prank is scary, Andrew. You got that right. Yeah, you got that exactly right. Um. Yeah, I'm very fascinated by it. If anyone else has any ghost photography, like, please do let us know. Please send in your ghost photos, but and if they're fake, just write this is fake on it. Yes. Okay. Please be clear. <laughs> we'll still be happy. Oh my gosh. Thrilled. We won't like it any less. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think, you know, I, I think that I, I really have a lot of respect um, for someone who has like a cryptid picture or something and is like, I made this, uh, please do not send it to any news sources. Sure. But yeah, that's really sweet. I, I did a little, I did a little prank on you and yes. um, just sort of don't uh, be mean. I think the only kind of real ghost picture I've ever taken, I took a picture once of like a uh, a wood, like a forest clearing in New Hampshire one summer. And when I like zoomed in on the picture, like the top corner of it looks like my grandfather's face. It's very weird. Oh, no. Um, but I think that's just because human beings search for faces. Um, yeah, it's that, um, it's that thing. Yeah, it is very much that thing. Anna, did anything spooky happen to you this week? Um, that's a great question. What spooky happened to me? Yeah, I'm at our friends Billy and Liz's house watching their dog Abby. Oh, how with Ladybird. It's it's really nice, and um, I just will routinely forget that Abby is here, and she will slowly lope into the room like a leopard, and <laughs> I get startled. 
because I'm not used to having that dog gear. And she she's quite yes. quiet, too. Like, I'm used to Ladybird, like, because her feet are smaller, that she trot, 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 trot. Oh, yeah. And, like, tap, tap, taps around. Mm-hmm. Whereas Abby can kind of lope through like a loping leopard. She does do that, yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's it's spooky. And yeah. at night, I can see because you have mentioned before that that Ladybird is a ghostly looking dog at night, and Abby is the she same—a black and white dog. A black and white dog yeah. is a ghost. It is a ghost. You better believe that. Mm-hmm. Well. Andrew, did anything spooky happen to you this week? I started watching that new series on Netflix called Brand New Cherry Flavor. Um, oh. Which is very scary. It's kind of David Lynchian. Um, my my friend Jeff Ward is in it, who's a very talented actor and a very well, lovely hey, person. Hey, that's great. It's um, so scary to book. <laughs> Booking is scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but he's really great in it. He plays like a 1990s movie star. Um, and it basically is about, it like takes place in the early nineties and it, it's about like, uh, supernaturally getting back at people who have compromised your artistic vision. What? Yeah. I can't believe this is a TV show. Yeah. That Catherine Keener plays a witch and she's really good. Um, it also really captures well, uh, if you've ever maybe taken too much, um, cold and sinus medication or if you've <laughs> taken any sort of hallucinatory drug it really captures very well that experience um oh. and it's so scary that i i can't watch too much of it at once yeah of course it's distressing it scary um but yeah but recommend it's very spooky it was very scary to watch and it is scary to um feel like you are not in uh in control of your artistic vision <laughs> I can't wait to watch this show. This yeah. isn't an ad. It's just a conversation between two friends who care about each other. I know. We are not receiving any money from Brand New Cherry Flavor or Jeff Ward. And he's tried. He's tried. He's tried to give us money and it's always been a little bit fake. <laughs> not all the way fake. It's just bigger than it should be. And it makes it's me bigger. question, am I getting smaller? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know the answer to that question, just scream it into the toilet and we'll hear you. Oh, boy. Um, oh boy. Anna, thank you so much for letting me read this lovely story by our friend Ryan. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, Ryan, for for being a an, an investigator of the occult from an early age. Yes, 28 pages. 123 out of 100, 125. Congratulations. I, I would give this podcast 123 out of 125. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And the rest of you, get, get out. out forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash team, And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Forever Dog, it's all the dog. <laughs>